0: Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage-breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Fun Man About It is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a non-profit member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now! Good evening and welcome to The about, about It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org
0: Your journey through all things fermented
1: <laughs> My name is Chris Kuzmi
0: And I'm Rachel Jacobs
1: Mary isette is unable to be with us today We're very sad about that Um she has a love-hate relationship with fireball shots and is quite under the weather today. Uh, we are archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on Heritage Radio Network. We are air every Monday at 7 p.m. and uh, we are a journey through all things fermented and are very, very excited to have today's episode. Uh, it's episode 169. 169. That mm-hmm. is, that's that's really long. That's a, <laughs> it's been a fun few years, and I'm so glad you're part Ew, of oh the my team. God. <laughs> yeah.
0: I look back through the archives and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to choose from for the TBTS.
1: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I got to do more of that stuff. The TBTS.
0: Oh no, I got you on that.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> do you have some some events or, or any, uh, anything? Oh, uh, I don't have any. Uh,
0: well, um, uh, you could tell us about um, this picnic that's going on this weekend.
1: Picnic. They. It's
0: the, perfect weather for that. It, uh, you know, super gross and hot
1: super gross and hot but it's going to be really awesome out at Croton Point Park uh, which is about 40 minutes north of New York City the home brewer's picnic um we get to get, it's the closest park where we're allowed to drink outside so we bring a bunch of taps and a bunch of homebrew and we barbecue uh it's like croton croton on hudson uh and we will be hanging out all day if you are in the neighborhood uh of of new york city or croton on hudson come to the park we rent a bodega every year and we welcome all of the homebrew clubs or homebrewers or fans thereof uh to celebrate uh homebrew
0: yeah, that sounds really <laughs> awesome. Is there a way to RSVP for that?
1: You can do it. You can go online to Facebook. And if you look up uh, Home Brewer's Picnic 2016, Croton Point Park, uh, I think you'll be able to find it. Or go to the New York City Home Brewer's Guild website. Traditionally, we've hosted it at the New York City Home Brewer's Guild. But since we started Brunity with our umbrella club for all of the New York City homebrew clubs, uh, now it's a Brunity picnic. So if you look up Brunity, B-R-E-W-N-I-T-Y, uh, you can find out more information about it as well on Facebook. The Book of Faces. The
0: Book of Faces, okay. Well, that sounds really great. Are you brewing anything right now at, uh, at home, or are you too busy with uh, all these other like professional brewing <laughs> pretty, projects you got?
1: Pretty freaking busy with that. <laughs> so the news is that we are closing down Greenpoint Beer Works. Uh, the lease is up, and so uh, all the Heartland beers are going to be brewed uh, upstate uh, by Schmaltz, and is uh, moving over, uh, at least for the time being, going to be brewing some beer out of uh, uh, Chelsea Brewing Company. And so it's just down to two people, me and uh, Bobby Rolandi, and and we are closing the thing down, man. It's insane. We have a lot of work that we're doing over there. We brewed our last beer on Friday, and so now it's just about getting these 22 tanks into packaged uh, kegs and going from there. And then the riggers are coming in last week and t- taking the, the tanks out of there. They're being kind of being dispersed across the city. Various people have bought different tanks, so... and. Uh, it's gonna be very interesting oh my god and then i take possession of possession of my new place on august 1st so i'm very excited about that but i'm at the mercy of the dob uh, as far as how soon we will get fifth hammer up and running
0: hopefully sooner than later
1: mm, you know that uh, green right.
0: Greenpoint will be sorely missed
1: i miss it already yeah except i'm really excited <laughs> because <about laughs> you you've I don't. been working yeah, now. You be every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i don't really have any announcements but i did buy uh, a jar of marmite um over the weekend which is yeast. have you had it before? I have not had it before, ah, but I mean I've had it now mm-hmm. it's actually pretty good. Um,
1: the, did you did you get the marmite XO the uh, the extra aged marmite?
0: No, I did not. It's
1: pretty strong. I, I got whatever
0: they had at the British shop in Cold Spring.
1: It's pretty fun. It's a great way of reusing yeast.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't realize it was a uh, it's a uh, byproduct of beer making is that right? Absolutely. yeah, so do you ever make could you ever make any?
1: There, <laughs> we talked to taxi about to. this. <laughs> little bit. Um, I I do want to, and I thought I wanted to do that at 5:08. Like we had the opportunity to do it, I had a lot of yeast there, and, and the chefs were pretty good. But there's uh actually they don't they don't let you know what their marmite recipe is, and it's a bunch of different oh. kind of secret spices blends kind of thing, and also just like <laughs> like really a really complicated process of of making it, but that I have no idea. what it is.
0: All right, I'd like to go into that further in the future at some point.
1: I've thought about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: but, uh, you know, who could help us out with that is our guest today. Maybe he straight. knows something about not, well, maybe not about Marmite, but definitely about food and <laughs> delicious food. Uh, so today we have, uh, Sean Z. Paxton. Sean
1: Paxton, my man, Sean. How are you doing, Sean? <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hi. It is so great that you're on the show again. Uh, you were last on episode.
0: It was episode, um.
1: It was in the 60s. Yeah, it was like. About 100 episodes. It was
0: uh, was November 2014, and it was the week before Thanksgiving, and you were telling us about a uh, turkey brining in beer for uh, the holiday. Yeah, Yeah, but you have so much more to tell us about. (laughs) Um, You're the homebrew chef, right? Correct. And what does that mean?
2: So being the homebrew chef, you know, I work with beer, with cooking. You can do it at home. You can do it in a restaurant. It's uh, for professionals and amateurs, all alike.
1: Wow. I've had the pleasure of having your food many, many times over the years, and it blows my mind every time. Um, Before we go, I mean, all our listeners are not necessarily, they're not hip to, to the Paxton uh, where, where to Where, where are you from? How did this start? What, what kind of got you into doing, doing these beards? Were you a home brewer first? Were you a chef first? Were you, a, uh, how long is your beard? And how tall are you?
2: <laughs> oh
0: yes, I, I've heard that, that uh, you're taller uh, than Chris and Mary combined. Back to, back which, or back uh, to front.
2: <laughs> Oh my god. Um, Whatever's well, cleanest. I'm Sean Paxton. Um, I'm known as a homebrew chef, and I have been a professional cook for well over twenty years now. And uh, I started brewing, actually, uh, before I was 21. And I always had a little extra beer left over when you brew up five gallons at a batch. And so I started using beer in my food. And uh, since I've been doing this for over 20 years now, there was a lot of stuff that just doesn't exist um, on the beer cuisine side. And I really wanted to learn more about beer because there's more ingredients in beer than wine or cider. And I always liked the flavor and all the different styles and the history of those beer styles. And so I really started to dive in to create something unique and different and really pay homage to, you know, England and Germany and Belgium, you know, and the food that came out of those countries, you know, from a historical standpoint, you know, that really started to cook with beer and then apply that to our cuisine, you know, which is so international now. And uh, a great way to share it has been uh, my website, homebrewchef.com.
1: I love it. Okay.
0: Well, um, since the last time also you've rolled out a new website, so uh, do you want to tell us a little yes. bit about it? About uh, I don't know what it was like before, um, but it's certainly uh, all spiffy and shiny at the moment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Websites change. You know, <laughs> our, our design culture and, and uh, new tools and new resources and new apps and all the other stuff that go with it. So. I've been working on a new website for actually about three years and finally found the right designer to uh, work with and uh, partner up with to be able to produce what we have today. And uh, the whole concept is is to really try to make cooking easier for you um, as well as uh, create better, you know flavors and to look at beer styles and to be able to search by you know appetizer entree dessert all the way through cuisine through a beer style or even a brewery style And so we've been really working really hard to create a backbone that can really support, you know, the thousand-plus recipes that I have uh, from all the different menus and dinners I've done all over the country and the world, you know, all the different brewing I've done all over the U.S. as well as the world, and to create one central location for all that. So Homebrew Chef becomes kind of the hub. And then if you go to the chef's table, which you'll see a link on the upper part of your screen and that will take you to where all the recipes and the blog live and with that there's basically over 200 recipes in there right now and I'm adding in between 5 and 10 a week right now and uh, it's been really exciting because you know we have a lot of seasonal recipes, we have seasonal menus, we have uh, seasonal beers that you might have in your fridge that you're like oh hmm, wonder what this would be good in and now you have a place to look and to find recipes and ideas and concepts and even substitutions where you'll be able to create a wonderful dinner for you and your family for friends uh for celebration purposes uh potlucks uh you pretty much name it um you know like my dear brine turkey recipe which has been number one on google before but all the way through to you know tomorrow's national pumpkin or uh pecan pie day so i have a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout pecan pie with a bourbon crust and a malted bourbon whipped cream
0: oh my god why can't you be here (laughs) with that
1: (laughs) so there's a there's a membership portion of your of your website as well right
2: say that again i'm sorry there's
1: a membership portion of your of your website there
2: is and so there is a lot available for free if you want to go just browse the site and you'll be able to get into a lot of things Uh, you'll be able to see the recipe but you won't be able to actually look at the actual recipe so the way it's set up is that you can set yourself up for a free account real easy and that kind of helps me with bandwidth Mm -hmm. and also uh just to limit how many people are kind of in and not that i ever have a limit per se but um it means you're a little bit more serious. And you actually, the deeper you go into the website, the more features turn on, which is really exciting. So this is the other thing that we've been struggling with and trying to make work and uh, bandwidth, you know, from a website perspective and server's perspective. So right now, if you sign up for a free membership, you get access to more recipes. You'll get access to new tools because of the way I also have it set up is that you can go in and once you're have an account you can actually start saving your recipes and create a online shopping list and so what's really exciting is that you can actually save all the recipes you would like to make for one meal or if you're a base member you can actually do a whole menu planning for the whole week and it'll tell you when to start making things and it'll work with you to uh, scale the recipes because all my recipes are scalable and what that means is you if there's only like four people in your family or four friends coming over for dinner or you just want to make something for two people you can scale it all the way down to that but I've done dinners for all the way up to 2,000 people <laughs> and you can actually scale the same recipe to 2,000 and it'll spit that information out for you as well. Oh my gosh, that's very. And great. And then what's cool too is is that since I've done so much international work all the recipes, all the or uh, descriptions and techniques are all written in Fahrenheit and Celsius. Okay. But at the bottom of each recipe, you can actually convert every recipe from U.S. to metric. So if you work in a metric mindset, you could easily switch it without even having to think about it. It just does it all for you. That's, That's awesome. That's like the
0: most practical and accessible recipe um, online recipe archive I've heard of in a while. This
2: is Mary- this is where I've struggled because I see all these other websites that try to cook with beer, and they're not user-friendly because they're not searchable. They're not organized in a way that you could find things and go back to them versus just a deluge of, of recipes, and you're not really able to even know, can I trust this recipe? Because, you know, some of these recipes might cost you $10 all the way up to 50 to to $100 if you're doing, like, a prime rib that's been aged uh wet-aged in your refrigerator with a barley wine kind of a crust on it, and you get this great flavors because of it. But I want to make sure, you know, it's my brand, it's my name, it's my reputation, and I really want to make sure everybody not only has a great recipe, but also the tools to really help make it special for them.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. It's and this like is a... where
2: it, it gets really cool is because you can actually start saving all these recipes into a menu. And then you can actually print out a correlated shopping list of all the recipes and all the ingredients of all those recipes. So it's going to add up all the salt that you need for all five recipes or 20 recipes, all depending on what you're making. Because this is where you can make more than a one-course meal, but like a four-course, because I'm known for a lot of my 12-course meals that you guys have been into. And this is where you can actually do that all on my site with all my recipes. And now you have something really unique because a shopping list, and you can look at it on your phone, you can look at it on your tablet, you can look at it on pretty much anything you might want to do. And uh, your computer screen, you can print it out, and you can take it to the store, and it's super easy for you. And I'm really trying to give you guys some resources that I have not seen on any other website, and even like the big Food Network and Bon Appetit, all the way down to... You know, here's a way that you can create a menu and, you know, a seasonal menu, and even some of them are already done for you, and you can just save them into your own account. And that way you have access to them, and you can even share your menus with other people within the community that I'm creating right now.
1: Oh, very cool.
0: Wow, it's almost like you actually want us to cook, it, to, uh, cook these
2: recipes. <laughs> and that's the thing, because, I mean, I could do a cookbook, and I've thought about doing a cookbook, and I've had publishers ask me to do a a cookbook, but then these tools will never translate into a printed something that's on your coffee table or in your bookshelf. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give you the resources to actually do it. And then what we're also working on is videos. So, how to make some of these things and set things up, and how to create, you know, cure and brine and marinade and injection, and how to get those flavors because the whole thing that I'm really trying to do here is beer cuisine and really help define what beer cuisine is and also help you as, you know, a chef, a home cook, uh, you know, somebody who loves beer, to use beer and thinking about all the different styles, all the different flavors that make that style unique, whether it's the hops, the malt, the yeast, the additives, you know, fruit, uh, is it sour, is it malty, is it hoppy, and to really use those essence of that beer style into food and use it as an ingredient, not just as a liquid, and to really redefine some of the flavors and how we like to taste food and actually make food better.
0: Yep. Oh, that's pretty awesome.
1: Are you still homebrewing a lot Say that again? Are you still homebrewing a lot and using uh, and, and designing beers for specifically for, for food, or are you using beers that are out there?
2: Uh, I'm doing both. So I'm working right now with mostly commercial beers that are in your market, and even I have in each recipe you can actually link. Uh, there's links in the recipe for what styles of beer, and that will take you to Beer Advocate's style page for that style, so you mm-hmm. can find a beer in your market. Because since I live on the West Coast and you guys are on the East Coast, we might have access to different beers since you know Russian River is my local., <laughs> yep. but you guys have Brooklyn, which I don't see at all. So now you can take a beer style and knowing what flavors that beer style has. And here's a great way to find a beer within your market that you can actually use for cooking. And then I'm also expanding all my home brew recipes so you can actually, if you are into making beer, You can actually make a beer for a dinner that you make the dinner around the beer that you made and to really showcase it. Love
1: it. Oh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: But I really want to do that.
2: some of the stuff that I don't see anybody else do and to really help promote beer and not just like, you know, a wine dinner that we see all the time and all the different wineries and all the high-end restaurants do all these great things with wine. And beer always happens to be that secondary beverage or you know they have a wine list that's 20 pages long and then there's five beers that happen to be all pilsners
1: right
0: oh yeah okay. you should visit brooklyn sometime though <laughs> we have a lot of you know, the,
1: the opposite <laughs> right. of that the scene is the scene is happening uh we're going to take a really quick break and we're going to come back and find out what the z is and sean z paxton
3: Hello out there. It's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn. Red Wattle. Bourbon Red. Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity. Small family farms and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's heritage turkey, Japanese steaks, Berkshire pork, or Navajo churro lamb chops is the righteous kind from healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at heritagefoodsusa.com for more information.
1: welcome back to episode 169 of the men about it on Heritage Radio Network.org. our guest today is a call-in from Sean Paxton uh, the homebrew chef from HomebrewChef.com, and we were just talking about the the wonderful website that he's got the, the all-inclusive it's, it really empowers the, the people to to really, to
0: actually make the to recipes, dive
1: into this stuff, man. Answered? It's awesome. Teaches and
0: techniques, teaches recipes. Sean,
1: you've been a, a giant inspiration for me on on all of these fronts and cooking at home and using beer and utilizing beer as as a featured ingredient and enhancing dishes and and creating harmony and contrast uh, to just make meals that are just insanely greater than the sum of their parts. Um, what are some of the techniques that that are some basic beer, cooking with beer techniques that you would say are out there? And then are there, is there anything over the years that, that you've found is
0: there that anybody that everybody should know how to deal with beer?
2: Well, that's a great question because there's a lot to understand about beer that's different than wine or cider or spirits for that matter. Because beer has bitterness, you know, and understanding those hops in that IBU or that international bittering unit, uh, a lot of bottles of beer they have an IBU number the lower the number the means it's less bitter and if you're doing a lot of like long cooking you really want that number to be lower uh, on the spectrum i would say below 40 and under is usually a better protocol uh because that's like going to be like your brown ales your porters your stouts uh even some of your like pilsners um you know i really like brown ales a lot because uh when they caramelize the malt in the malting process, it actually mimics the caramelization of onions or garlic or even seared meat as the proteins in the meat fibers start to caramelize. That's called the Maillard reaction and that creates that wonderful, rich flavor that we like so much. And so this is where thinking about the right beer style and understanding the bitterness, so like IPAs, for example, aren't the best beers to cook with because those hops are what we love about that beer style. And the more we cook it, the more the, those volatile hop oils and aromas just dissipate off into the air and it just creates something bitter and more astringent that we don't really care to eat because I think a lot of people have cooked with an IPA and it really turns them off the whole thing. Right. So that's a really big one right there is understand the bittering units. Uh, Number two is how you want to use the beer. So like with my beer brine turkey recipe, we're using beer to infuse the flavor of beer to enhance the turkey along with salt and sugar to create uh, basically a new solution that's like basically through osmosis. It's infused into the turkey meat that gives you a 10 degree buffer when you're cooking a turkey that actually makes it so that it stays moist and tender and also full-flavored. So that's another great way to use beer. You know, marinade, especially right now, being summer, uh, you know, I have a recipe for a blind pig IPA-injected pork butt. Mm -hmm. And by injecting it into the meat, you get all that flavor of the IPA and some of those citrus notes. You know, I like a lot of the IPAs that have more of that citrus, orange, tangerine, lemon lime grapefruit kind of flavors that go really well with pork and we're injecting that on the inside and since we're slow cooking the pork we're not really reducing the sauce we're just kind of it's simmering or steaming in the meat which is going to make it super tender and super flavorful so this is a place Uh, when
1: when uh, the IBUs are not too affected even though it's slow cooked
2: because it's a slow cook, and we're also not reducing the liquid. It's actually staying within the meat because the cooking process, and especially with the bark or the crust of a good pork butt, you're leaving it on the outside. You know, it's leaving it, uh, the, the beer on the inside of the meat. Um, and I do have a couple things where you can cook with some different styles of beer that are higher in uh, bit, that bitterness factor. And this is where, like, a ceviche. Something that's mm-hmm. cold, refreshing, you know, and the, the fish or the seafood is basically lightly cooked in uh, citrus juices, like lime juice, lemon juice, um, orange juice, tangerine juice. And then after about two hours, the, the seafood mixture is strained out of that citrus so that that acid isn't cooking the meat anymore, and then you're topping it off with a complimentary beer, uh, usually an IPA that has some of those citrus flavors, and then letting it marinate in that before you serve it. And you get this wonderful, great way to eat your beer. So.
0: Oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> that might but then one.
2: also, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but July is National Bean Month. So of course it is. I have some wonderful bean recipes as well. We have everything from pinto beans cooked with uh, ham hock. And uh, you get that smokiness of the ham hock. And if you were to add, like, a smoked porter uh, or even, like, a German Rausch beer to kind of complement that smoke and really infuse and get that kind of meatiness into your beans and you get this wonderful side dish versus that side dish you just kind of want to forget about, uh, you know, there's so many different ways to do it, you know. And even, like, I have a smoked porter and tomato barbecue sauce that, again, we're complementing the flavors of the smoke with a tomato. And to me, smoked tomatoes are wonderful. And to put that on top of your beef brisket, on top of your pulled pork, on top of your grilled chicken, I mean, you're going to be happy and your guests are going to be happy.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. Do you have any uh, good recipes for garbanzo beans?
2: (laughs) I do, actually. (laughs) Um, We have a beer hummus. Oh,
1: my God. I love it. Oh, my God.
2: So this is where, (laughs) again, you can use your beer and, like, a nut brown ale. That nut brown flavor is going to kind of complement what sesame seeds or toasted sesame seeds that become tahini, which is Mm -hmm. like the the sesame seed nut butter. And so you can actually use that brown ale to enhance some of those flavors. Um, Also, I have a smoked... Uh, garbanzo bean salad that's actually mixed into couscous so you actually smoke your garbanzo beans after you've cooked them fully or even opened a can and and rinse the the can liquid off and then throw them into your smoker for about an hour to two hours and the garbanzo beans will pick up that smoky meaty flavor and then you can toss it into a couscous salad and you get that wonderful flavor and you actually get a full protein that way and it can be vegetarian.
1: Oh man. Oh was, my god. You uh, have used the word you, you like it sounds like you really like smoked things. Is there a good is there a good use for smoked beer?
2: Oh, I love like a Rauch beer. Yeah. It's one of my favorite beers to cook with because it does lend itself to so many different applications. Um, I've done everything from a kind of a pseudo pastrami brine and you can actually brine tofu in that Uh, and then sear it off and actually make a Reuben that's vegan that tastes like meat
1: with the Rauchfair. I love it. With the
2: rock beer. But then, you know, if smoke isn't your thing, because, like, to me right now with the grill and the, the weather and being summer in July, we want to eat grilled foods. We want to eat, you know, things where we're outdoors and we're enjoying things, and that becomes part of it, you know. But, you know, since we are almost to that Oktoberfest season, you know, we have all the German beers and lagers, you know, Box and My Box uh, that have just kind of been released, and maybe you have a few in your cellar that you can pull out. But, you know, a Doppelbach, uh, a Martzen, or Oktoberfest beer, you know, you can use that for schnitzel. You can use that to make into spetzla and then fry that off if you want or just do it as is, you know, poached from the cooking liquid. Uh, But again, I mean, there's so many different things, even like all the way to pie. Like I have a wonderful cherry pie with Rodenbach Grand Cru Mm -hmm. that... You use dried cherries as well as fresh cherries, and then a sour cherry jam, since sour cherries are so hard to find nowadays. And all those flavors together, because you're rehydrating the dried cherries uh, with the Rodenbach Grand Cru, which has that raspberry, strawberry, cherry, fig, prune kind of flavor. And you get that nice sourness that's going to actually boost up the acid, which is going to make the cherries shine even more. And then since cherry and almond go so well together because of the cherry pits and those stones, I've actually put some almond flour and a little bit of coriander into the pie crust to accentuate that natural cherry almond flavor that we love so much to make a better cherry pie.
0: Chris is so happy. I know, I'm really <laughs> like, like, I'm like squirming in his seat, like ready to go home and so make true. that pie. It's exactly, it's
2: true.
1: It's true. But
2: this is what's so much fun to me is, yeah. is that there's so much there with food and beer and flavors, you know. And it's really a year-round thing. And you know, I cook with beer every week. And I'm always playing around with new ideas and new concepts. You know, I write for Beer Advocate magazine, and I've been writing for them for over nine years now, over 100 episodes or issues. And uh, it's been real fun. I just did a whole thing on uh, egg rolls. I did a whole one on Thai noodles. Uh, There's all these different things and ideas and techniques that are just continuing to blow my mind because i'm like why hasn't anybody ever done this before
1: right right, right and the possibilities are endless with the with all the different beers coming out now now and just like it's it's great
2: especially like look at what your local market has today i mean look at the beers that we have today versus even five years ago
1: right i mean
2: constantly evolving and changing as our tastes are changing you know the later hop additions on IPAs to get all those extra flavors and not the bitterness in our IPAs, Um, all the way through to all these new sour styles. You know, it's not just Mm -hmm. a Lambic or a Bollinear Vice or, you know, we have these American Sours that are being really creative with the brewers, you know, and to me, a brewer and a chef has so many similarities because it's all their interpretation of these raw ingredients and how they're transformed into something really unique and different
1: and with all of this I, that that's why i love your website too cuz it's really empowering people to go on their own it's like these are starting places these are things that have really worked for you but through doing it you get the experience and you kind of form your own rules and find out your, your own you know what you what you individually like and how to cook it with it and make it make it work
2: yeah because to me like these are recipes that have been tested. These are recipes that you know, I've honed and really try to describe a step-by-step technique and even have pictures of how to do certain techniques. And even there is a technique tab on the top of my menu bar that will help you even further to look at certain techniques, and that's going to be always evolving. Plus, there's videos that will help you see more things. And then even if you want to sign up for my newsletter, which you also get if you sign up for my membership, uh, whether it's a free or a base member, you get access to the newsletter, which basically is giving you all the recipes and the beers that we're drinking at that time of year. And that's going to just continue to grow and expand and share all the new recipes that we're working on and to help you see all the new things that are happening on the website and keep up to date with just a lot of really fun recipes that... I just had a friend of mine who made the uh, cherry pie with Rodenbach Grand Cru, and he came back to me, and he's like, that's the best cherry pie I've ever had. And I'm like, well, that was my goal when I made that cherry pie, because my mother-in-law does not like cherries at all, and she went back for seconds.
1: Oh, man. Awesome.
2: And that, to me, is the validity to cooking with beer where we're able to use some of these beer styles, whether they're from Europe or the U.S. or South America or, you know, hops from New Zealand all the way through Europe to, you know, upper Washington area, and we can actually use those flavors and make, like, I have a shake-and-bake hop-fried chicken where you're actually using hop cones and barley malt into the crust and into the buttermilk. To make all these great flavors that we love to drink, and then c- recreating it into fried chicken, which we love to eat, and now it even pairs better with that IPA.
1: That's genius. Oh, my God. That's my, my happy... Fried chicken is my happy place.
0: How do you even come up with this stuff?
2: <laughs> well, you know how I am, Chris.
1: Yes, yes, you know? I do. <laughs>
2: I always like to put you in your happy
1: place. <laughs> You're the best at it. How do you even
2: come so up with this? And that's what's so fun, you know, because it's food. You know, we're the only right. species on this planet that gets to cook. And why not take that and really express our, just, our true, you know, because to me the gift of me feeding my friends, my family, my guests at a dinner that I do, you know, it's one of the most satisfying things to me because you guys get to walk away and say, wow, that was cool, you know. And that's my biggest, you know, thing that I walk away with where I leave you with a memory. I leave you with a moment where you're like... That was good, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I want to give that same moment to you guys and everybody listening that when you make a meal, here you go. You know, I want to make sure it's easy for you. I want to take all the hard work out of it for you and give you tools and resources and recipes and techniques to say, here you go, and to really make beer shine.
1: Speaking of techniques, uh, when you're creating a a meal, a 12-course meal, what is what is your kind of approach to uh, you know what or do you start loud do you ease into it how do you how do you decide where to play because I think you know where you go on the journey or how you how you structure the journey is, is an important thing and you always just knock it out of the park do you have a, a
2: well this is general? years and years of experience um, and it's a hard one because when you think about twelve courses some people are daunt, like just the pure, you know, physicality of, like, how do you eat that much? Well, you kind of break it down to size of your portion, you know, and try to think about it like, you know, 25, 30 bites of food, okay? And then in that, we kind of want to start lighter on our intensity scale, so we're not going to start out with a big imperial stout. It's just, it's too robust, it's too strong, it's too alcoholic, and all those things together, will kind of ruin our taste buds for later on in the meal. You know, I went to one dinner here in San Francisco and they started off with a lobster bisque. And as nice as that sounds, the lobster bisque was super rich, super decadent. And if anything, I was kind of done after that first course and I had five other courses behind it and it didn't sit well at all. And after I paid the $400 tab, I walked out of there and I kind of wanted to throw up (laughs) and so it's really critical and this is some of the stuff I'll be teaching as the website continues to grow now that I have the foundation to kind of build these different things but this is where you'll be able to learn a lot more about how to do these multi-course meals where you start light and you think about flavors that are going to kind of wake up your taste buds and kind of make you hungry and then also textures because, you know, food is just not, you know, a bite of food. It's it's the, the interplay of maybe a farro or a pearl barley to give you that chew, that, that crunch that you can fry, or even like a puff barley, so you kind of get that crunch, but it's light and airy. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of grow and expand on those ingredients and their interplay with the different flavors in the beer style. You know, and every beer dinner I do is different because... The beers are different, the location's different, the time of year's different. And so I use all those different things as vehicles to express different flavors and different uh, interactions with the beer and with the food to to try to build the meal to become a little richer. So, like, I'm not starting off with lamb or duck. You know, I'm going to start off something maybe with some vegetables, maybe some, like, poached shrimp or lightly smoked scallops. And then build into the heavier, richer things. You know, having like a cheese plate where, you know, people who might be a little bit more hungry have something that kind of pile onto their their cracker or their bread or a shakuri course where you know the cured meats and the pâtés and other things can build and layer. But then you know, I can still do a beer jam or jelly to help cut some of the flavors, you know, and the intensity on our palate and even do like an intermezzo where I have, you know, a beer sorbet or make that with liquid nitrogen right at your table, you know, and when there's, you know, 50, 100 people also dining with you and you get to see, you know, something made right in front of you, even with all these other things going on, to me, that's part of the show, you know, and also to be kind of fun where it's actually playing a integral part where... You know, let's say it's a nice sour beer that I've added just a little bit of simple syrup to, and now we have something that can cleanse your palate and go to the next course and maybe something a little bit more robust and, you know, maybe a sous vide uh, beef cheek or lamb cheek or something a little bit different where you're having elk or buffalo. And you can kind of build the flavors and also the beers that go with that, meat or with that dish whether it's in the sauce the vegetable the starch you know and to kind of build those intensities all the way up till dessert when you're kind of like okay but wow that that's really good and you walk out of there with kind of like a whole new appreciation because with the wine dinner you get palate fatigue because the wine the intensity of the wine you know there's no carbonation in wine you know champagne there is but that's really you know very few wines are carbonated, so you don't get that lifting effect off your palate, and so mm-hmm. all these things collectively help make that multi-course beer dinner a little bit.
1: more. Oh, no. Sean Villas, really you? We lost Sean. Back, you back. Hi. Hey. Back.
0: Welcome. hey welcome back.
2: <laughs> the joys of being up in the redwoods.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We lost you just at the end, uh, and I'm. I'm just so freaking hungry right now. I don't know what to say.
2: (laughs) I'm really sorry about that. It seems almost unfair, but this is where, you know, if you go to homebrewchef.com and go to Chef's Table and sign up, you know, get my free account, sign up for my newsletter, and you're going to get all these recipes for free. But also, if you want to help support what I'm doing and learn more for less than a pint of beer a month... I'm happy to give you everything that I know, everything that I've learned, 20-plus years of experience doing dinners all over the world, and that's kind of my my thing where I want to give back to everybody. I want to give back to this wonderful community that is full of just so many great people and great beers and great brewers that make these great beers. And- have great food to go with everything
1: here here <laughs>
0: yeah, i love that it all comes back to beer
1: <laughs> yep beer people oh. beer is people
2: yeah
0: beer is beer is people <laughs> <laughs> it's and my then to personal think mantra.
1: about how much work goes into those
2: beers yeah. that we so enjoy and if anything the last thing i want to do as a chef is upset a brewer and not highlight their beer and highlight their efforts to get the best hops to get the best malt to, to use the yeast correctly To create this wonderful beverage that we love to drink, and really accentuate it versus, like, yeah, here's a recipe with a can of beer. I mean, what does that even mean anymore?
1: Right, right, right. right. And that's one thing. On along those lines, I, I love about you know food and beer and cooking together. The brewer is just a small. Part of of a long chain of people who help put the beer together. I mean, there's the the, the growers family. and the, the farmers, the 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 uh, maltster, the the uh, the, the people, people who, who make are dealing the barrels, it, the cooper's, the deal cooper's, uh, and same thing with 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 all all food product. And celebrating it the way you do, Paxi, is just amazing. And you make life taste better. Thank you.
2: Well, I'm thank you guys. And, you know, it's a real treat to share all these things that I take for granted every day. And, you know, the people, in my family and my friends and, you know, I just did like a wonderful Cubano style pork roast. And then I made that into a Cubano sandwich. And let me tell you, I had some friends that were like, can you just move in with me? (laughs) (laughs) And, And so that's, some of the next recipes I'll be putting up on the website because they're like, I need to make this next week. I'm like, okay, it will be up online for you.
1: Awesome. So, About, uh, what's the average uh, uh, update for the for the website as far as uh, putting new recipes up?
2: Well, I'm putting up between 5 and 10 a week. Great. And then I, that also includes uh, new blog posts uh, that are highlighting different things, different uh, constructs, some of the same questions you've asked me. I'm already working on blog posts to help define them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also working on some videos to help uh, help people understand things a little bit more and get a little bit more involved as far as techniques and how to satsukak a chicken all the way through to how to trust a chicken and a turkey and how to debone a duck and then use the bones to make a wonderful stock because this is the other thing. If you start using some of the different malts that give our beer these wonderful flavors, you can actually use those same malts in stock and build that flavor all the way down from the elementary you know, standpoint of creating your own stocks that are actually cheaper than what you'll ever buy in the store and so much better. And utilize everything so that we have less waste and we're using waste Because a lot of people just throw their chicken bones, duck bones, turkey bones away. We can actually use those with a pressure cooker and actually make an incredible stock that will blow your mind.
1: Oh man, I have one. I have one last question, only because we 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 got there right now with things that you might be throwing away. What if I make a bad beer? Should I consider cooking with it? And under what conditions would that be, uh, you know, maybe workable? What? Well, this is
2: a great question. So it depends on on how you messed up your beer. Mm -hmm. If it's just a simple flaw, like you didn't get as many hops as you wanted into it or something, sure, cook with it. But if it does taste... I mean, if you really don't like to drink it at all, sometimes you can actually just add a vinegar mother to it and try to make malt vinegar out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could try to reduce it down a little bit and see if that changes things. Um, I've also done some different caramels and some different syrups where you can add maple syrup, brown sugar, uh, regular white sugar. You could add honey with the beer and reduce it down just a little bit. And then you can make like a pancake syrup for mm-hmm. it. You can also use that to brush onto like, let's say, a cake layer and then do like a pastry cream with beer and like a chocolate stout pastry cream. And then you can build a cake like that. Um, so there's a lot of different approaches, um, but the thing is, is that if it's a bad beer, to me, you need to be, you know, to me, you're not a good brewer unless you can pour a beer down the drain and say, yeah, I messed up.
1: Yep, here, um, here, here. Well, Paxi thank you so much. short, you know? Damn straight. Yeah. Damn Sean, straight.
0: thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, before you go, can we just have one more quick question? Yes. What does the Z stand for?
2: Ah, uh, the Z is uh, Zane. Uh,
1: Zane. None
2: of us Which guessed kind that. Of fun. There's so, money on yes. the
3: table. There's actually
2: several different Sean Paxons in the world, so it's actually kind of funny. So there's a magician, there's a, uh, a shark advocate, and a couple other That's people awesome. out there that uh, I'm actually friends with some Sean Paxons on Facebook. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm right up Which there with you with a similar
0: so. name thing. I love it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, there's so oh, much more to guys. talk about. And everyone, just check out his website, Thehomebrewchef.com and uh, sign up for some awesome recipes.
1: Damn straight.
2: Yes. I love I'd you, love man. I love to have you on. And, and please send me messages or emails at sean at if you have questions. Um, I'd love to help you guys. So thank you so much for having me on your show. Right
1: on. Thank you, Sean. Thanks. Much thank love, you. Paxi. Fament about it. man about it over here. with no wind, a wall with no wind.